Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of The Cash Calf, where we chat about business mentality and practicality, the startup, and how to run your own side hustle. It's really fun stuff. On today's episode, we had the great pleasure of talking with Miles Gillette. He is an inventor of a different type of trigger for an AR-15. Uh, very innovative, very amazing. We had such a great time talking with him. We really appreciate his time. We hope that you guys enjoy today's episode. If you do, all we ask, please share. Share and uh, his story is very inspiring and something that can, I think, bring a lot of hope to a lot of people. So please share if you like it. Again, thank you to Miles, and we hope you enjoy today's episode. All right, we're on. We're on? <laughs> That's awesome. We appreciate this so much. You bet. Yeah, it's uh, it's great to meet you. And some background to people, we were down at the Tactical Games. Uh, Matt and I were competing in it, and we were at one stage, and we looked over, and there was a... Uh, just kind of this trigger sitting there inside of a, I don't know, just like a it's dummy like a, gun. Yeah, dummy shoe. And I was like, well, this is cool. What's this? And looking at it, and you're like, I, I invented that. <laughs> like, what? So. Yeah. Yeah, it's cool. And I didn't even, Tyler came over, like, he was way excited, too. He's like, hey, come check this out. That He just invented a trigger. And anyway, so it's really cool. Thanks, guys. It's cool to, yeah, it. cool to yeah, meet we, you and meet you again and come talk about it. Yeah, when you guys wanted to do the podcast, I was a little taken back. I was like, oh, I'm, I'm not a success story yet, but... No, you uh, are to me. You Okay, <laughs> you took a, a trigger, which an AR-15, I don't know how long they've been around, but a long time. Yeah. You, in, you reinvented something that's already been invented, but you made it better, better yeah. and different. And so that's a success, you know. A, Appreciate it. Success is a progressive realization of a worthy ideal doesn't mean that it necessarily is you know money or fame or anything like that so that's a success like that sitting right there to me is a success appreciate it guys and yeah. looking at that i don't even know i wouldn't even know where to start to do you know just <laughs> yeah. in, in wouldn't even how to get that manufactured or anything so it's cool and that's why we want to come and talk to you because i'm sure it was a heck of a story and process behind that to get it kind of up and running and figuring out how to get it manufactured and everything else. Dude, so. it was a journey. This was, I think it, uh, my son is eight years old, going on nine. So this is almost eight plus years in the works. Yeah. So. Okay. So, yeah. yeah. Well, I was just going to say kind of <laughs> like, what's your background? Like, you yeah. know, because obviously we're talking about AR-15 triggers. We're talking about shooting products and that kind of stuff. So like, as far as background, like, is it? So I've, I've always been fascinated with firearms. Yeah. I've always loved it. My family didn't have guns in our home growing up, but my uncle, is he shares my same passion, and he's got the collection that would make Cabela's jealous. So, <laughs> nice. Nice. Yeah. So uh, he used to take me to gun shows when I was a kid, and we would enjoy it, and I always thought about, you know, trying to make the next best thing. Always fascinated by the technology aspect. I mean, um, comparing the AK-47 to the AR-15, the difference is what makes the M-16 more accurate than the AK-47. And, and the engineering aspect of it always fascinated, fascinated me, but I am not an engineer. Guys, my, math is my poor suit. Hmm. So that, that's interesting. I, I am more of a... I love politics. <laughs> I'm a, I'm a, I went to University of Utah, studied uh, 
um, business for a while and realized, you know, this is no offense to University of Utah, great school, yeah. but that's a diploma farm right yeah. there. And so I, I just felt like a statistic. I didn't feel like I was getting my money's worth. And so I transferred up to Utah State and best decision. And cool. Hmm. Took my hundred plus hours of business credits and transferred to political science and <laughs> nice. So I got a yeah. degree in constitutional studies and foreign relations. Oh, that's and, awesome. That's way cool. And then that opens a whole new can of yeah. worms. <laughs> we could go down that rabbit hole there's, too. There's another like, podcast. Yeah. yeah. Or two or three of them there, you yeah. know. I mean, we've talked on here about how and you probably, I mean, I'm sure that you've probably found this out, but you in in school, you know, when I graduate, I've got a bachelor's degree in ag business and there's very little that I learned there that actually transfers over to yeah. a business in real life, you know? And yeah. so there's a, there's a podcast that we've talked about before kind of, yeah. and then the constitutional study stuff. That's, I, I love mean, it. That's, that's great. I grew, so, up in, I grew up in Connecticut. So yeah. the history of our nation, the founders and, and everything, that was, that was a legacy that I was fortunate to go to a really good school that, that really grounded all its students in that and really appreciating at the time, the teachers were really helping you appreciate the founding of this nation. So that was really cool. And that kind of was the genesis for a lot of my passions with, with liberty and freedom and, and entrepreneurialism. So what an American, he invented a trigger <laughs> yeah, and has a degree in constitution. That's, that's it, cool. Man. Yeah, for sure. So. For sure, but it was it was great going to the university or Utah State. I mean, they had an engineering lab, and yeah. so um, we can go into more detail about the whole process and everything. But it was what I experienced in this whole process was one door opening after after another at like the right time. It was serendipitous is to is to give it an, an under this would be an understatement. Yeah, but uh, but yeah. So so do you? So you graduated with. In political science. Mm -hmm. So is that what you do? I mean, no. now do you do that now or like what's the... No, I'm the director of quality at a nutraceutical company. So Okay. Um, oh, that's cool. I mean, I do read a lot of regulation on a daily basis. So the the aspect of my education for, stud, for you know, reading case law and reading um, regulations paid off, doing a lot of the research. So that's kind of the bread and butter of my, my job, but and then making so people abide by it. Nutraceuticals, that's like like protein powders and stuff? Yeah, yeah. So um, give you an example. Um, orange juice, right? Yeah. A lot of competitors will say, our orange juice has more calcium than the other orange juice. Yeah. Um, we make a calcium sugar, and I'm pretty sure our calcium sugar product goes in orange juice or goes in mm. cereals to make it more fortified with iron or whatever. Mm -hmm. We have iron sugars that we manufacture. So ferrous glycinate and a bunch of fun chemical yeah. names. But nice. Cool. Yeah. Did, Go ahead. Well, so did you begin the, the beginnings of the trigger before that? Oh yeah. Okay. Oh yeah. So it was when I was at the university of Utah and this again, let's, I guess we can go. Yeah, that's kind of the beginning. So I've always been passionate about business. Um, when in high school, my dad owned the patent for an easy bed. It's I don't you, it's in the um, Sky Mall magazine. It's a bed that you plug in and it actually inflates and it has its own frame in That's it. It's awesome. It's like a briefcase size. That's way cool. Duffel bag, and he 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 owned the patent for that for a while, and then. Uh, uh, a fog-free fa fog-free shower mirror with a weather station. Oh wow! On it, um, he owned the patent. I owned part of the patent with that, and we sold some of that. So, he, my my dad is is kind of my inspiration for that, and even my father-in-law. It's I work at his company. It's 
um, Nutrisol. So um, he's an entrepreneur himself. So I've always, before even marrying my wife, it's always been a passion of mine. When I went to University of Utah and I was look, going into, into business, I was part of the Lassonde Entrepreneur Program, take a young bunch of entrepreneurs and teach them more skills and um, compete against each other. And they uh, do a bunch of different competitions statewide. So um, that, well, that was kind of like the genesis of it. Yeah. I was just like feeding that, that itch that I had, that, the, that desire. So, so what, do you, what do you think has attracted you to that? Like, what do you, Dude, sounds like you've kind of always just had that it's sense just, of. It was branded on my soul. Hmm. Is the best way to describe it. You know, Denzel Washington, I posted this on Facebook. I love this quote. Um, but he talked about being thankful for those desires that you have in your heart that you haven't achieved yet. And he said, those are, are God's way of basically saying, this is yours. Just take it. Hmm. That's awesome. And I've always felt that love way about that. business. And, and one of my, my goals is to um, work for myself and not, and, and you know, as, as an entrepreneur, you know that you're always working, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So to be able to control, it's basically to control my own time off yeah. <laughs> is the best way to, the best way to put it. And, um, <clears throat> but it's just, yeah, been a passion of mine. I want to be able to be the dad that's always there for his kids and, and, um, his wife and go on the vacations they want to go on and, and when they want to go on them and not be holding to another person's schedule other than my own. So I think that's, that's liberating. That's freedom. It's freaking America. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it really is. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, back to your, studies along with the constitution. I mean, that's it is that we all get to pursue what we want to pursue and have the kind of life school, the kind of lifestyle that we want, you know, I mean, that's huge. Yeah. And in elementary school, I met this, this Polish opera singer and and she was telling us about communism under Poland. And when she was in like elementary school, she just liked to sing and they're like, okay, you're going to be a, an opera singer. Mm. And her, her destiny was chosen for her by some bureaucrat behind a desk he says, okay, this kid's semi-talented. We're going to put them through all the rigors and make them a singer. And, you know, that's, I don't know. I don't like the idea of someone else telling me what to do. <laughs> yeah. yeah, for sure. So. Yeah. I uh, was chatting with a lady named Madison Pennell yesterday. She's an Olymp- uh, I, I talked about the chords. And yeah. Did it anyways. <laughs> um, she's an Olympic weightlifter for the United States. And you can choose to do it. Uh, but she was talking about <clears throat> China. Yeah. At very young ages, you know, two, they're like measuring your bones. Do you have any like, gymnasts? Oh, it's nuts. They start training like, yeah, wicked young. Yeah. That's, and they like, they, they measure their bone density and their yeah. muscles and the lever lengths. And then they're like, Hey, you're going to be a gymnast. Yeah. And if you don't win, we'll off your family. No, I'm just, yeah. that's, that's <laughs> no. actually not true. No, I think they have camps. <laughs> they have, they have yeah. camps out there in the desert for that, that kind of thing, right? I, I actually think they do. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Well, nobody really knows nobody. because it's not. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You are a G. Edward Griffin fan. We found out. Um, that's awesome. You, you posted, posted on Facebook yeah. a few days ago or something yeah. like that. I saw it. So yeah, that was cool. So we read the same books. Yeah. So we well, like you. Well, and I think that's the cool thing about you know, there's a lot of stigma around the the gun community. Yeah. And and maybe. You know, I mean, where we're talking about an AR-15 trigger, like this kind of yep. is what, that's that's how we met, basically, yeah. you know, going to the tactical games and that kind of stuff. But really, when you look at the, you know, there's a lot of people want to put negative um, emotions associated with people with guns. And, and really, like any time that I've seen people that have those negative thoughts, they come together and go to maybe an event or hang out with people that are, you know, into guns and shooting and that kind of stuff. 
it's just freedom. It's back yeah. to that freedom thing for whatever reason. You know, it's just something, like you said, it's American. Yeah. But it's just, there's just something about that that just, it's interesting to talk to people because you start talking about guns and then it goes on to entrepreneurship or freedom or, you know, just kind of choosing our own destiny. And I think that that's huge. I mean, that's, that's, it's cool to see the similarities there. Yeah. And, and a good group of people. Oh my goodness. The tactical games, it's like a family. Yeah. Those, those guys, I mean, they inspired me. I've, I'm a hundred plus pounds overweight and I'm, I'm training with a buddy of mine who's a, a SWAT sniper for Ogden PD and he's oh, cool. in, into CrossFit and doing four thirty in the mornings, workouts with him at the gym and stuff. Nice. But it's, but yeah, it's inspirational. I, yeah. I want to compete next year, so it's getting yeah. putting the, the did you say you're going to to Oregon? Uh no, not no. No. Not this year. Too okay. many things on the docket okay. right yeah. now. But but yeah, I definitely want to. My wife wants to compete. That's awesome. So I was telling her about the I I don't man, I just being around the caliber of people at that event and the ground the the down to earth level. That, that a lot of those people are at and their characters are just people are laying like six thousand dollar kits on the ground. Yeah. And walking away to judge somebody. Yeah. Not a care in the world that somebody's gonna walk off with it because yeah. nobody's there is gonna do it. Yeah. It's just it, that was I that screamed like the the salt of the earth, the the cream of the crop of America right there to me. Yeah. But had you ever been to a tactical games event before? Was that no. your first? That was my first. That was my first too. Yeah. I'd never Tyler had been there before, but I'd never been there before. It was awesome. It was yeah. fun. It was a lot of fun. What made you want to do it? Um, go and judge or go and volunteer. <laughs> made a quick last minute decision. My two of my friends were competing. Okay. So yeah, they had gotten two triggers and and um, they just wanted to to go out there and have some fun. I had, one of the guys is the Riley. He's the the SWAT guy. Yeah. That I trained with. He's he went out there and competed. Placed eighth. Oh, cool! So, good and for this is his first first time doing it. Oh, sweet! Yeah, so he's he hooked. He did, yeah, yeah, he did. He did pretty good. And he loved it. And another buddy who not didn't do pat pat at all. He's just a casual shooter. Does competitions here here and there. But, um, but yeah, he was he he stormed through it. So, yeah, it's cool. Yeah, it was fun. Yeah, both I had a good time. Both super impressed by them. So they're, they're that's sweet. They invited me out, and we we're like, well, let's just get an Airbnb, and yeah, you can judge by the way. And I was like, oh. Why not? Yeah, yeah. Did, did you meet Anthony there? Um, Anthony Hart. Uh huh. Yeah, yeah. He's a stud. Yeah, he's a cool guy. Yeah, awesome. He was uh, he was gonna compete and then just had some stuff and big came and volunteered. I think he's gonna be in Oregon. Oh, nice, nice. So he's the pink pink pink, pink shorts guy. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> he wasn't wearing the pink shorts this time. You had told me that he yeah. always wears pink shorts. When he so competes, I was looking for him. They but... probably didn't want him to as a volunteer. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> be a little distracting yeah. or something. Yeah. So yeah. So let's yeah, do it. was fun. Let's uh let's keep going on on your story. Okay. Yeah, your trigger stuff. Yeah. So you started in University of Utah. Yeah. So kind just, of designing it or whatever. Well, at University of Utah, I didn't know what I was gonna do. I knew I wanted to pursue my own business. So I, I would have all these ideas, all these ideas all the time. I couldn't turn it off. Uh drove my wife nuts. It got to a point where she's like, You have to shut up. <laughs> you have to stop like Either, either do something or get an idea that's going to be like the next thing or just leave me alone. <laughs> <laughs> and um, it was crazy. I was I was working at uh, a sales job selling home improvements for a good company and I was a terrible salesman. I was, we were newly married and uh, I'm, I was working, 
I mean, it was, it was crazy. I, I'd get up probably at like six in the morning, figure out where I was going to go in the day, feed my son who's just born. Um, my wife was exhausted all night and just taking care of him. And um, she'd be in bed and then I'd take off, um, basically hand the, the baby over, kiss her goodbye, and, and I would be home when everybody's in bed. So I put in a lot of long days and... I, I was so good as a salesman. I only made $10,000 in a year. <laughs> I was pitiful. But it was on one of those days. I was, I was driving back from Price or Vernal, and it was a bust of a day. You're, you're out there on the grind. So it's five hours out there. Each appointment's about three hours long because you have to give them the full sales pitch. Wow. And so that's nine hours of selling. Um, and then five hours back. And so I'm driving back, and I'm crying because I was like, I was, I needed to make some money to support my family and just started praying. Cause I was like, that's all I had left. I knew that our, our rent was going to be paid by the gas that my gas reimbursement bill. And I didn't know what we were going to do for everything else. So, um, I was praying hard and, um, had this very providential, this, this, uh, spiritual experience talking to God. Um, and, basically the the realization that like this if you want to do business like there's what do you want to do and it's just it's kind of back and forth dialogue and um had had a memory of a, a weird memory to think about when you're having a really spiritual experience but i was a uh, went to celebrate my brother's acceptance acceptance to west point and we went to lakai in utah and we're actually leaving the the restaurant afterwards and this guy pulls up in this white bentley beautiful car and like several women get out of the vehicle and he just walks over to the bar, hands the, the valet his, his key. And I'm looking at this vehicle, admiring it. And the valet's like, yeah, he comes in here every Wednesday. He invented some scalpel the doctors use and, and drops like a 13 grand bar tab and new girls every week. And I'm like, I don't care about the girls. You, you had me at 13 grand yeah. week, like every week. Mm-hmm. Um, and invented a scalpel and, and thought occurred to me like there's freedom in, in passive income and there's freedom in, in royalties and and if I want to have the lifestyle to be with my family constantly I need to create avenues of passive income um, where I can manage my income sources but I don't have to put in the the serious legwork and the groundwork that's needed to to do that that fight obviously there's a fight to the, to get there right yeah. but I thought about that experience and I thought about well I'm going to invent something then I'm going to, I'm going to, um, rely on the expertise that my parent, my family has in it. And I'm going to, I'm going to create something. And I asked God, I was like, I, I gotta, I need, I need something I can bring this world. Right. Or, then I remember thinking, well, what are you passionate about? And I was like, okay, I need an excuse to buy more guns. <laughs> <laughs> my, obviously my gun budget was zero at that time. Yeah. Right. And so I, I thought, well, I love guns. And I thought about, I remember it, it was a weird experience, but I remember thinking about like 10,000 different thoughts. Um, and this is in the course of like three minutes driving, which is really bizarre because I've, I've looked at the road a little bit and it's like, okay, from here to here, I remember being in deep thought and it's only like 300 yards mm-hmm. <laughs> or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, and, and the way I can describe it, I just see it like it was yesterday, but if, do you, have you seen Star Wars? You know yeah. when they go into light speed? You have all the stars, and all of a sudden you see the stars go right past you? Yeah. yeah. So in my experience, I saw all those stars were ideas. And I saw them from, like, start to finish. Like, 10,000 different ideas. 
And it was like picking one out of those that I was passionate about. And, and the thought came to me, well, like firearms, this, um, and I thought about, you know, triggers. Um, there's so many amazing triggers, different features of triggers, but how come we all have the same problem with the trigger where it's the human variable, right? No trigger fits perfectly for every person. Um, everybody has different hands or mitts, right? Mm-hmm. Different size booger hooks. <laughs> um, yeah. And, uh, and that affects accuracy. And then you have other things that compound accuracy, like you have breathing, you have your, the, their, how you're gripping the rifle itself or the weapon itself. And you, there's other variables. How can I limit, how can I mitigate or the effects of one of those variables? Um, and I was thinking about the trigger and, and, and um, I saw, I saw it. I saw this idea of getting a trigger arm that adapts to the shooter instead of having the shooter to adapt to the trigger. And then how do we get there? And then it was simple. It was like, just replace the pin with the ball joint. <laughs> yeah. Dude, that's cool. Yeah. Because you say simple. Yeah. Dude, to hey. me, I'm looking at this. I'm like, I have no idea. <laughs> this is cool. Like this is, this is a testament to me. Like this is my testimony that God is real. Like, yeah, whatever, whoever your higher power is or, or um, your, your belief in, in spiritualism or, or deity or whatever. But the, this, this came from a conversation with God for me. Um, and I know a lot of people might think that's like hocus pocus or, or crazy, but that, that conversation was as real as I'm talking to you guys now. Hmm. Um, and the experience was, was like yesterday. I'm, I'm writing a book for my kids cause I don't oh, want cool. them to, to, to not learn about this, but yeah. that's way cool. So like a spiritual experience. I don't know why I had this in my mind, but like mystical in a way. I mean, is mi- mystical is probably the wrong word because we understand spiritual a little more than mystical. Yeah. You know, that time, like the time domain. Yeah. Very interesting to me. Oh, yeah. It was like it was a complete time lapse. It was like it was it was weird. It was bizarre. <clears throat> well, and we've talked a lot about on the podcast too, just the element of faith. Yeah. I mean, you know, there's there is 100 percent, I believe natural laws that we don't understand that when you start focusing on something or you ask for an answer, then stuff opens up, you know? And, oh, yeah. and if you follow that path and you keep going, then th- things continue to open up and pretty soon you look back, <clears throat> excuse me, you look back and within a year or six months or whatever, you're like, man, that worked out better than I ever would have thought it would, oh, yeah. you know? And so like, Totally. Like we, I, yeah. I totally believe in, in that kind of revelation and faith yeah. and everything else, you know, I mean, it's cool. It's a cool story. And you were also saying that things just seem to come together at the right time. Oh yeah. So can you expound on that? Yeah, definitely. So, so I had this great experience, right? And I, I drove home and, and taught, told my wife about it. And I was like, this is what we're going to do. <laughs> this is that idea you told me to, to bring to you when we actually have something. Right. Um, and I was excited and, um, and I remember calling my uncle, who was my, one of my inspirations with, with guns and, and the start of my passion, and, uh, and telling him about it. And he's like, yeah, that's a pretty good idea, Miles. That's totally played it chill. Yeah. And I was like, man, he doesn't like it at all. <laughs> <laughs> and then so I sat on it. But every day I sat on it, it was like, no, what are you doing, Miles? You got you to gotta get, get after it. And I didn't know what to do. Um, I didn't know where to start. I knew... Uh, you got to get a lawyer, right? Yeah. You got to patent this idea. You have to develop it. Even then, the lawyer's going to ask, how's it going to work? How's yeah. it going to... So 
dude, I, I went through this whole, um, like year period of, of talking to people smarter than me, um, talking to engineers, asking them, what do I need to consider for something like this to the, um, learning about tolerances of metal. Excuse me. You're good. Um, learning about just various different things and this, and, um, and then finally figuring out, well, okay, so I know I have a general idea that I'm going to put a ball joint in a trigger to get the arm to move, but how's it actually going to fit and work? And right, dude, I went to Hobby Lobby and got clay models. I was clay modeling it up. I took my kids, um, shower crayons and I would spend <laughs> like an hour in the shower drawing on the shower wall different designs and ways drove my wife nuts. I hope you got pictures of it. <laughs> I, I don't know if we did. <laughs> um, but then I remember going to my first, I talked to a friend of mine who I met on my, on my mission and his aunt was a, was a patent attorney and she taught me a lot. She was a, she was a wonderful woman. Um, and I remember showing her the clay model first and she was my first patent attorney and helped me write some of the stuff and taught me a lot. And she was a, a teacher, um, taught patent law. Um, but, um, I remember showing her this like junk clay model of this trigger, this idea. Um, and she's like, okay, well, and she basically walked me through the process of writing my own patent and cool. And then I was like, crap. So I got to get something better than a, a clay model. Cause here I am drawing a lot of my, my yeah. designs by hand, free drawing them. And, but for something to be more professional, you have to have like a CAD file. You have to, mm -hmm. you have to have the, the, the metrics and the, the dimensions and everything. And so, um, it was, it was weird when I needed a patent attorney, I get a phone call out of the blue from my buddy saying, Hey, we're in Utah. We should talk. And then told him about my ID. And he's like, yeah, my aunt's a patent attorney. Hmm. <laughs> right. And then when I need to take the drawing to the next level, um, and realizing I need like, I need CAD software. Um, I need to learn to develop this doing a little search, find out there's an engineering lab on campus. And I, I'm a student at Utah state and, and I've asked the engineering lab, taught myself SolidWorks. Um, and, um, yeah, just everything I need at that point in time. Um, just doors started to open up a little bit here and there, um, needed to take my patent to the next level and needed a law firm to really manage my patent and my patent portfolios. Cause, um, Right now we have, I think, two U.S. patents, and then European, awesome. Israel, and Canada. Cool. So, um, with this trigger, you with have this trigger the, technology, okay. yep. So, um, so I mean, all of that stuff. Like, I'm thinking about the businesses that I've done too. Yeah. And like, I'm just envisioning like, because there's a lot of like through that whole process, there's probably people that think you're crazy, right? Oh dude. All, like, all day, like, every day. Like seriously. Like, and I've like, we've both like, we've talked about this all the time, how it's like in the beginning, it's like, how is this ever going to work? Yeah. You know, like or, you just have no idea. How, how can you do all this on faith? Right? Yeah. How can you, how can you, you know, risk all that? Right. Well, well and then it's the flip. You have to have the faith. That's true. I mean, sure. just it's, it's what you said. Yeah. It's just like if you don't have it, then you're going to be logical, and you're 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 not going to do not gonna what you did. Teach risks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. I, I love it. Like to me, like it's such a good 
that part of the story is awesome because yeah. like you and you over you know like the doors opening up having these rough plans and ideas of what you want to do but it's you know oh, it's yeah. hard to express it and then you know you learning teaching yourself like so many people that we talk to like it's like oh well where'd you learn to do the to to write the CAD files or whatever. Yeah. Oh, I taught myself, you know, yeah. like it's, it's not stuff that you can learn from a university no. or anything. You just got to dig in and do it yourself. I love it. Well, a lot of people don't realize too, is that, and I love this analogy. It has so many applications. I, I just heard it the other day from my wife's uncle, who's a brilliant man. Um, and has helped us out so much with, with mentoring and, and financial support and getting the trigger up and going. But he said, you got to break the nut, Right. And so a lot of that, whenever you encounter an opposition and a lot, he was referring to like making the money, right? Yeah. Um, enjoying the, the fruits of, of, of your labors. But what a lot of people don't realize, and I think a lot where a lot of people quit is that last little bit, that little extra energy that you need to apply to actually break the nut, whether it is the obstacle you're trying to overcome. Um, for me, I could have realized, well, I don't, I don't know how to make a CAD file and I don't know where to go and just walk away at that point. Right. Um, anybody could do that. And I think a lot of people do. Um, mm -hmm. but I think that's what separates a lot of entrepreneurs is that they, they, that hunger that's inside them, they can't, they, they give into it, right? They let that hunger consume them. And that, at that point, no obstacle becomes an issue. I remember saying like, I, the idea of, of going to school full time when in high school, the idea of going to school full time and working full time and having a family, I was like, I'm going to do it one at a time. I'm not going <laughs> to overload my plate i'm gonna enjoy everything no i freaking had three kids in college and <laughs> yeah and worked full time right but when i was pursuing the trigger i found myself pulling days of like two hours of sleep or no sleep at all just going from school work homework i'm gonna hit the lab and i hit that like adrenaline energy buzz just going to the lab and working on the trigger and that next thing I know it, it's like six in the morning and I have to get ready to go to class. Yeah. That's <laughs> but, uh, really cool. And it's passion. So it's, that, it's not so much work at that point. No, it isn't. And that's, what's crazy is, is the, the pro what is it? The proverb is true with, uh, if you do what you love, you never work a day in your life. Yeah. So true. Yeah. So true. I mean, you've talked about <clears throat> the things coming together. What are, what are some obstacles that you had? Yeah. So, so funding was yeah. a huge one, right? Um, funding has been a, was a problem, a lot of points in the, in, the, in it and things have worked out. Um, so when I first came up with this idea, I was like, man, I'm going to need like 75 grand in cash. I'm going to have to just to get to the first like two years maybe. And then hopefully it's profitable at that point right after like patent approved process. Um, but, uh, so, but then I talked to my family and, and my brother was like, okay, I think I want in. My yeah. dad wanted in. So, okay, that was enough That was enough money to pay my initial legal fees. Yeah. Um, and I made them partners, right? And we get in on it. And then um, then when I got to a new law firm and, and brought them on, and they were, they were so talented. They're such a big law firm and a great law firm out in Salt Lake. And, and um, we have a family friend who was one of the big lawyers over there and and they worked something out for us and where we could be on a payment plan that that was affordable for us otherwise we wouldn't be able to afford them um and and that was a new policy they just enacted in their company at the like a week before huh. <laughs> yeah. right 
was, hey, we want to get more business, so let's not just handle these Fortune 500 companies. Let's hit some young, small yeah. businesses yeah. and make our, our services more affordable to them. And they've been a blessing. Um, the figuring out the whole CAD files and then realizing I have a, a, a lab with free software to do that at my disposal and learning, and then learning how to do it. I remember being in there after a week and I'm helping some of the engineer students out with some of their projects, being like, hey, you can, you can shortcut that by doing this. I'm like, who is this guy? Yeah. <laughs> Real world application. Right. Seriously. That's what's cool. Seriously. Yeah. Um, what are some other ones? Some other good ones. Um, oh, just um, getting it up and off the ground, licensing it, and yeah. building the prototypes. Um, I've been fortunate to work with a lot of good companies. Um, and, you know, some of them, we, we could say we have a rocky relationship now just because we just didn't agree on certain, certain things. And, yeah. um, but I still, I wouldn't say anything bad about anybody I've worked with. Um, but working with some people and getting the, the, the prototypes built and then when I needed a better prototype, having another company come along that says, oh, yeah, well, we're interested in your trigger. Let's build your prototype and see where it goes. And then um, they build an even better prototype and then I take that prototype to another company because that the people who built the first, the second prototype, they went under and that opened the door for um, the licensing deal I have now and it was bizarre. It would be like, hey, I need this. Well, how do you do it? And I've researched the crap out of it and said like, all right, I'm going to network the crap out of this too Yeah. and talk to everybody I know and, and um, my <laughs> grow my LinkedIn contacts and, and figure something out and then something would happen. A door would just so come out of left field and just open. Title of the episode, network the crap out of it. Yeah. yeah. I love yeah. it. Yeah. We've had a lot of people ask us about funding. Like, what do you do? How do you get funding? I think you hit the nail on the head. There is no way to just know exactly how you're going to no. fund anything. You get have freaking creative. To. Yeah. Yep. Get creative. I mean, you can, um, and a lot of it too is, is for me, having to ask for a loan or ask for help is adverse, right? My, I, I'm personally adverse to it, but there are times where you want to get this idea and you believe in this idea enough, like you're going to have to ask for help. You're going to have to, you're going to have to talk to the bank. You're going to have to convince them or you're going to have to, um, try to find a win-win with, with somebody. Um, and, and just, yeah, just get creative. That's the big thing. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. Well, and is. we talk a lot about value creation. Yep. Like, I think, too, like, it's understanding that you're also creating value for those people that are investing in you, too, you know? Oh, yeah. And it kind of lights a fire under you, too, because you don't want to, you don't want to let those people down. Oh, know? yeah. And so it's, so it's, it's cool. It, it helps in a lot of different ways, I feel like, sometimes. I refuse to fail at this because mm -hmm. I have so many people riding on it. Yeah. yeah. Like, that's the, that's the other thing. Like, what you said, it just, people are dependent on you. Yeah. Yeah, it's cool. So how long was it since you, so you're like, we kind of got to the part where you're like in the engineer lab. Yeah. You know, you take, you've got your models and you're kind of past that. So you designed kind of CAD files and stuff in the engineer lab. Yeah. Uh, and some prototypes yourself. And then you took it to companies or how did that kind of work? Yeah. So um, I was at University of Utah first when I came up with the idea and then I transferred up to Utah State because I was just okay. school. Right? Yeah. I just wanted to find a better, better fit for me. Um, and then at Utah State, came across the lab, had the CAD files, and, and was able to do that. 
and then found some uh, local machine shops that were interested in and really wanted to do a, a partnership with them. Hey, you make this really good. If you make this prototype spectacular, we can. you're coming with us to these companies we're going to pitch this to. We cool. get a licensing deal. We're going to get you a, a piece of the pie. Mm-hmm. Um, some of those relationships, they made a... They made a, a product that was just enough to demonstrate, but not enough to perform at a production level. And so nobody was really interested in them. They're like, we, yeah. we want we want to see this where you can you can produce it mm-hmm. and for us and and we'll buy it from you at that point. And so that kind of that relationship kind of fizzled out, um, didn't work out the way I was hoping it to. Um, and then networking more my dad moved to washington state and found a gun shop on on the island like literally everybody knows everybody on this island that he lives on um out in the puget sound but uh and they were like yeah we were interested in the idea went out to visit them um showed them the idea and they thought it was really cool and they're like yeah we'll make you a prototype and we'll we'll see if we can if we can make it first and then if we can make it and produce it let's let's get a deal going let's get a Something going. So that was a gun manufacturer. A gun manufacturer. Cool. cool. Really cool guys. Again, salt of the earth guys. Yeah. Um, and unfortunately, they they ran into some some financial problems. You know, you know the gun industry. You, you peak, oh. and everybody's like, "Yes, this is this is this is awesome." And they invest or they take out too much. Yeah. And I'm not saying this happened to them, but it's it happens to everybody. You, you see gun companies that pop up, and then next year at Shot Show, they're not there. Yeah. Right. Um. Unfortunately, the economy took a turn on them, and and um, they ended up closing down shop. And but they they're like, here, here's this prototype we, we built you up at least. That's cool. And they were they were solid. Um, and I was still tri- picking their brains like, how, can you help me out? Like, what do yeah. I do next? Like, trying to figure things out. But they were they were solid enough to before things went belly up to make sure I had my prototype. And then I took that prototype to actually a company that I had talked to years before. Um, I said, Hey, we spoke before I have this. I only had drawings the first time we met. Now I've got this. Mm-hmm. What do you think? And, and they liked it. They saw, they caught the vision and, and they wanted to license it. And they're like, well, you got a great idea. It's, um, going to be expensive to make the way you designed it. Let's try to make it a little bit more cost affordable. And, and they wrote up a letter of intent and we, wow. we started the relationship from there. And was that, that's who we have cool. now. That that leads us to to these guys today. So RMT triggers. That's way cool. What what was the cost effective part of it? Like what what did you simplify or what did you do? Yeah, so they they simplified just the manufacturing of the spherical portion and how it's how it sits in the in the trigger itself to to make it more cost effective. Can you explain what the trigger is? We actually should have started this out. Yeah. Like, okay. Well, and but you you, you kind of did cuz yeah. you know, you'd kind of talked about it a little bit in the beginning, but um, so, yeah. so this, like the, the really basic part of it is, is sorry, really fast. Yeah. This is the best part because an inventor explaining their own product, <laughs> you have a tough time making it simple for everybody. Yeah. I love this. This is great. Okay. okay. Now keep going. <laughs> so conventional triggers rotate on a pin, right? That trigger shoe comes linearly back on a fixed path. Um, and that design is about just over 500 years old. So oh. nobody has changed it. It's super simple. Why do we have to change it? It's basic. It works, right? The only problem with that is everybody's ergonomics are different. And um, 
where you put your finger on the trigger shoe, how you pull that trigger back, all affect accuracy, all affect pull. They all that force transfers through the weapon, um, and so the the concept was well, how can we allow the trigger shoe or that part you pull on to articulate just enough so that lateral force that you naturally put on the trigger, and I don't care who you are, you could be the best sharpshooter in the world, you're aware of how you pull the trigger back, mm-hmm. right? You're trying to pull back twice or pull back perfectly every time, hoping lightning strikes twice, right? Yep. Um, and so the, the idea was how do, I, how do I get this, how do I compensate for that lateral, lateral pull to mitigate it, right? You're never going to get something completely eliminated. Um, but how can I make it more effective so that novices, um, people can, can be more accurate? Because the most dangerous thing in a firearm industry is someone who's not accurate and not safe, right? And so I want to be able to get a kid who's 14 years old to, to be able to put rounds where they count and not have to worry about shooting over the berm and hitting something, mm-hmm. right? Um, so what I did was I took that pin, which is the the, I guess, the fail point in every conventional trigger. And I wanted to replace it with the, the ability for it to articulate um, or to move. So no matter where you put your finger on that, on that trigger shoe, that trigger shoe is going to index naturally to your grip. And then as you pull back, you have that trigger shoe moving ergonomically to your ergonomics. So it's going to come back a little bit on an angle. Maybe it's going to turn a little bit to the side. Um, are you pushing it to, to the left or to the right? The trigger is going to have that ability to move and adjust and adapt to you instead of you worrying about, okay, am I, I'm breathing. Mm-hmm. What's my heartbeat, right? I got to hit the shot. Okay, I'm perfectly pulling it back. There's, there's so many variables that play at that. I know the U.S. Army did a study in this, um, several years ago. And they're talking about what, what what makes people more accurate marksmanship, and they're talking about um, cognitive. Uh, I forget the term of it, but being self-aware of the shot and, and placement and what you're what you're thinking, and and can you do mental exercises while you're about to make the shot to to get it more accurate? And I'm thinking, here's fifty thousand dollars to two hundred thousand dollars of taxpayer money being spent on a theoretical study when. There you go, U.S. Army. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Uh-huh. Well, there's so many variables. Like you said, I mean, you're, you're going through all of those variables through your head, kind of like you began at the beginning of the podcast talking about. How do we eliminate those variables? Yeah. You know? And I just want to be able to focus on sight picture, and I want to focus on I'm shaking the crap because I'm nervous. I'm excited. I'm put a, about to put a round. Mm-hmm. I mean, size of nine millimeters or, or uh, what? Half an or less a quarter of it or what is it half an inch about in diameter, and a size of a quarter at 150 yards. Yeah, I mean, I'm yeah. trying to do that. Mm-hmm. And so you're excited, your yeah. adrenaline's pumping, and I I find myself shaking at that point. Right, I want to worry about being calm and collected, and focusing on sight picture, and making sure those crosshairs are lined up because I know I'm doped in right, and then squeezing the trigger and not worrying about. Okay, I'm doped in right sight. Crosshairs are on the site, breathing. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then, like, thinking physically, am I pulling it straight back? Yeah. Right? Yeah. Well, and I've thought a lot about that since the tactical games. Because, like, I didn't ever... I hadn't trained... Like, I, I hunt and that kind of mm-hmm. stuff. So, I, 
know what it's like to shoot when you get excited and everything else. But like our, the first time, so the first uh, workout that we did was the sled pull, you know? Oh yeah. So it's all forearm strength. And then you go and shoot. And I was like, I remember pulling up and I'm like, oh boy, this is going to be a long couple of days. But so I've thought about this since then and I'm going, okay, how out of whack was my my trigger pull that whole time i mean everything else was out of whack too i yeah. know that you know but out of form bad you know and so it's a, it, it's it, awesome because now there's some play there you yeah. know there's a little bit of room for error yeah to be able to to do that well that, and it, it's cool it doesn't help your crunch for time either too right yeah i mean there's there's <laughs> lots of factors that go yeah. into it but take like like you said before taking one of those factors out yeah. is going to improve improve the overall, you know, improve our, our shooting for sure. Yeah. So it's cool. Can you adjust the, you know, so it, it's, it goes left to right. Uh-huh. Can you adjust the tension there? So it, I just noticed there's a screw on the bottom. Uh-huh. So, so that's coming. We have more, more, okay. more things coming where we're going to make this even better than it was. We have, yeah, but soon. What, what, um, so right now there's, it's the, this is the most basic this one? This one, yeah. Okay, are you, you're probably going to come out with more than just an AR trigger. Oh, yeah. We I have mean, the patent for every platform. Sweet. That's nice. So I think in the next one, we're going to do tr- pistols because there's, okay. the pistols are going to be huge because, oh, yeah. because when it comes to ergonomics and you have one point or two points on the weapon um, instead of three with a rifle, you know, you got mm-hmm. the buttstock on your shoulder and then you got your, your, your front grip and you got your, your rear grip. Um, with a pistol, you're doing it one-handed, or you're doing it supported mm-hmm. with your second hand. But uh, I think we'll see even more improvements with with accuracy with the pistol. I'll pre-order a Glock one right now. <laughs> I mean, seriously, yeah. it's so cool. Yeah, it would be sweet. What about? Uh, it seems like too. This would be a, a hit for like the competition long range shooters too. Oh yeah, you know, taking some of the variables out of that as well. Are you <clears throat> like working on those kind of things? As yeah. Well? So my licensee's working with Third Gen Tactical and they came out with a new six arc rifle and that thing's sick. Hmm. They took it to a precision long range shoot out in Georgia, only gas gun on the line, and they had fourteen year olds hitting steel at a thousand yards. Wow. So that's six, sweet. Six yeah. millimeter arc. Is that what you said? I think it's a six, six arc. I don't know if it's arc. a, yeah, okay. it's, it's a, a new cartridge that cool. Hornady came out with. <laughs> that's what, cool. uh, but yeah, it's, it's a sick weapon. It's a, How does it like firearms are old? Uh huh. You know, was it the Chinese that started originally? Yeah. Originally yeah, yeah. you're, you're inventing things that, that were invented thousands, not what they were invented. You're bettering things that were invented thousands of years oh, yeah. ago. That's just cool. Like, good. do you feel good? You yeah. should. <laughs> <laughs> it's 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 surreal. It's yeah. uh, you know, that's the crazy thing is from the time that I started this journey to the time I got a licensee and like started really putting this project out, that was like six years. Yeah. So people people who say that like okay, well I watch Shark Tank right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you see these guys walking and some of them have just a concept and they're they're saying. Oh, I'm going to ask for a hundred thousand dollars for only 10% of my company. And like show us how you're worth that much. Yeah. And then out of the blue, you get that one person that's like the one shark that's actually like, okay, that's going to compete with me. And that's like, that's going to take out my bottom line. Like I, I want to be part of this before that thing happens. I think when people think of entrepreneurs and they think of ideas, they see that. Yeah. And that's the anomaly. Mm-hmm. That's, that's, they got to get that out of their mind. They, they got to realize that 
there's so much more to it. Um, another smart guy I talked to um, at the very beginning of this project said if, and he, he talked about like projections for money and value. And he said, um, if you think you're going to make that amount of money, cut that in half mm-hmm. and then cut that in half again and then cut it in half again. And then one more time, cut that in half. That's probably more realistically what, what you're going to make. Or if you think it's going to take that much time, double it. Yeah. <laughs> double it again. Right. Because you got to be prepared. You got to be have that that realistic mindset that it's not going to flip overnight. Um, there's going to be a lot more that goes into it. There, um, there's there's going to be so much more required than you think than you can even think of now or plan for. You just have to have the mindset to when it, when that happens, you're going to figure out a way to get over it and to to overcome it. So, and I think that's the key is just that motivation and perseverance. You know, I mean, it's hard to how do you step out and go along that path of like, of course you're not going to know anything like yeah. you've never designed yeah. a trigger, but you know, like people think like, well, what are all the answers for me to be successful yeah. in this business? Well, you're not going to know until you step out and do it because you're stepping into a completely different yeah. realm essentially or whatever, you know? And so you just, exactly. you just have to go through and figure it out. I love you, you know, no. it's great. So, so you, so six years, to design it and kind of get it to production phase. Is that kind of production ready? Yeah. To get to a point where, um, I actually could pitch it to somebody and they could see the concept and be like, Oh yeah, I could see how that, that works. Mm -hmm. Um, I remember, so I had one of my rough prototypes and the first year at shot show, I went, everybody was like floored. They're like, why didn't I, you, you had, you had, um, and again, I say this because there's no way I could have done this by myself. I'm not that smart. Um, I think I'm, I can teach myself certain things, but as far as the like, the the conceptualization of this of this product, that's providential. That's that's divine providence for me. Um, but I remember taking it to some of these big companies, and they looked to their engineers and like, we just spent <laughs> a million plus on this idea or on that idea, and you couldn't think of that. <laughs> like, yeah, that's um, awesome. And they're like, and, and so when you pull it, does it affect any other aspects? No, everything else can stay linearly and, and adjust it. And they, they, they thought that was pretty brilliant. They thought through it. I remember going up to one company and they're like, yeah, Timony has something that does that. And I was like, no, they don't. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, Calvin Motley's a stud. That guy's awesome. He's one of the guys I look up to. But his elite, it comes close. But this is, this takes the, the Calvin elite trigger to the next level. So, huh. That is so cool. I, and I love that you can put it in different platforms and yeah. that you're working on that. Yeah. You're going places. So right? how long have you, so six years to get it to that point, mm-hmm. how many years have you been, how, how long has it been in production then? So um, licensing deal was probably back in uh, 2020 started, gave a grace period to really like hash out some of the designs. So launch date of the product was back in December. So December, December 2021. 2021. Oh, sweet. No kidding. Okay. Yeah. That's awesome. So. That is way cool. And so right now it's... So I had a question too. I mean, just looking at this trigger, it's beautiful. Like it's, it's a very nice looking piece of equipment. It oh, really yeah. is. So are you... Did, was your design everything? Like are you having everything manufactured as far as like this housing, the spring, so the hammer, the, the house, trigger and everything? The housing... Um, element the the way the disconnectors connecting that kind of thing 
that's that's always that's the the brilliance of of my licensee. Like they they are incredible engineers. These guys are top of the line. Um, for me, it's it's what I patented, which is that application of the ball joint. Yeah, hmm. that is so really they, cool. They took that application of the ball joint and like, okay, we're gonna make a freaking awesome trigger, and we're gonna take this technology and put it in it. And that's cool. So this is kind of their housing. Yep. And then it's got your technology. Yeah, in and, it and they're gonna have a, a flat, a, a normal trigger for for the, I guess. Um, very traditionalist, like cur- yeah. like a curved trigger, well, um, or whatever. Well, the or same same trigger. It's going to look exactly the same, but it, it'll just only be linear. Okay. Oh, so it'll oh, just oh, be a gotcha. pin rotation, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and no. is that part of you too? Then no, or that's no, just them. That's, that's them doing their thing. They're, they want to they want to create a a, a trigger um, dynasty okay. on this thing. So hmm. well, and it's it's actually nice with products to have a line. Oh yeah. You know, and the brand and everything. Yeah, yeah. We were talking once about bread makers. And the first <laughs> yeah. bread maker that came out, they couldn't sell any. So then they made a nicer bread maker and everyone bought the, the cheaper one. Yeah. So in this case, like maybe you make a you know, $600 trigger and then everyone buys your... So price point, how did you, how did you land on the price point? I let them go for it. Cool. I let them go for it. I, again, I think this is a, a point for most entrepreneurs is you let the experts make the expert decisions. I like it. <laughs> right? Um, one thing I did ask them is I want to undercut the competition. Yeah. I want to provide a better product that is still on the, on the high end. Right. But let's, let's face it. There are some products out there that are so grossly inflated. Um, and you're buying a, a name or you're buying a, a cool widget aspect of it. But I want to, I want to bring something to the market that is reasonably priced. Um, and makes sense, but also is providing a, a degree of utility and, and um, improvement for for the user. So yeah, it's sweet. Fully auto That's application, cool. maybe. Okay, just curious. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, well, we could we could talk about my first prototypes. You want to talk full auto? <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. At one, yeah. at one point, I was like, it was the first time I was going to shoot the prototype, and I go to the sh- the shooting range, and a little voice in my head goes, "You don't want to shoot that here." <laughs> and so I drive, I was like, okay, I'm going to pull out. And I drove down the road a little bit and I was like, there's a law enforcement range and there's police officers there. I'm going to shoot with them. Yeah. <laughs> and so I pulled in and I remember that they're all looking back like, who is this guy? And I walk out and I was like, guys, I'm sorry to interrupt your training. When you're done, can you shoot this with me? Hmm. Um, and I told him, I said, Hey, this is the first, this is just a prototype. I don't know if I'm going to go full auto on the sucker. Um, and there's, it's going to misfire, but I don't want you getting the phone call while I'm over there. So I'd rather do it right here with you and you know what's going on and we have it as controlled as possible. And, and they were so chill. That's awesome. Those LEO guys, they're studs. That's cool. Um, nothing against firefighters. Oh, well, <laughs> we, we, gave that, we gave that up. So. Yeah, we're kind of, <laughs> we're ex-firefighters. Yeah. So, but. But they were studs. No, and cool. It went full auto on us, and then they had the time of their life. Yeah, I was like, gonna say they probably <laughs> wanted one after that. Yeah. So yeah, it went full auto, and and some of the guys are like, "Can I shoot it again?" <laughs> yeah, we went through like we got to try it. Yeah, that's awesome. What's really causing this to to do this? <laughs> yeah, but, yeah, that's way cool. We talk about possibilities. The most people. Like general population would probably look at this and go, okay, it's a trigger that's enhanced. It's a better trigger. Mm-hmm. But when we talk to you, I'm thinking, and it's cool that you have so much passion about it because this has just made me think the possibilities are endless right here. 
you, there's other patents coming. Yeah, other patents, government yeah. contracts. You have patents in Canada and Israel and all that. Israel, Israeli contracts, Canada contract. Like the possibilities are completely endless with what you've done so far. That's yeah. that's something to be proud of. Appreciate it. That's cool. Appreciate it. Yeah, yeah, it is cool. Yeah, and it's it's incredible to me that I love hearing the part of the story where you're teaching yourself these skills all the way along. Like that's you got that's to. way cool. I I think nothing can call it against college, but I think if if you really want to learn to to teach yourself, college can be a great place to to learn some of the basics, but you also really have to get out and do it. Um, if you want to learn, I mean, and there's certain things too, right? Um, certain skills that you can really I guess only learn in college under controlled environments um, without getting the FBI called on you for blowing up your shed. Right. Um, but uh, so I think there is a place for higher education, but when it comes to, to some of this stuff, most people think that they need to invest in a, in, in a college a- education in order to, to be qualified, right. For, for their dream or for their, that, that business they want to create. The reality is, you can open up a book without paying a school <laughs> or you can open up a book and get a syllabus and pay them for the syllabus essentially. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, it's just, yeah. And, and be more focused in your own education. Yeah. You know? more I, mean, direct. I mean, exactly what you, it is you want to learn or whatever. So yeah. absolutely. I like how you use the word qualify because there's not a college course out there that's going to qualify you. No. Yeah. To, to build this. You yeah. qualified yourself. You're yeah. the world leading expert on articulating right to left <laughs> triggers. Yes. There's yeah. nobody Absolutely. in the world. Mm-hmm. You are it. That's cool. That's weird to think about. I, especially, I look up to guys like all everybody I've met at SHOT Show, so much respect for. Um, all the guys at different various companies, Geisley, Timoney, um, Fostech, um, uh, I mean, you could go down the list. Mark LaRue at LaRue Tactical. have a lot of respect for that guy. He doesn't like the idea, but he's a cool guy. Yeah, well, uh, I mean, the idea might, you know, conflict with <laughs> him selling other products. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. But. So, Matt, you had actually, we were talking about it, and you were wondering, uh, I think the it's been answered whether it was for training or not, but... Are people using yeah. this for different applications? I mean, one one review that we watched, he said, I noticed that I am pushing mm-hmm. to the left. So he's now learning. I guess there's a few questions in that. Yeah. But I guess the question is, did you design it for training? Which I don't think you did. No. <clears throat> but can it be used for that? I'm sure. I'm sure. Yeah. I, I, I the, the genesis behind the... The idea was I just want to make something that, that helps eliminate the user variable. Now, that's a double-edged sword, though, because there also is, is a credible argument. You well, you make something that's going to adapt to the user. If they get behind a different weapon that doesn't have the same technology, how is that going to affect them, right? Um, they could be a little bit – could their accuracy could suffer because they don't have the techniques um, that need to develop. Just because this adapts to you, though, it doesn't eliminate your need to still continue to hone your technique, right? Mm-hmm. This just adds that slight that that edge of competitive advantage that you would need. Um, I have a family friend who went through the military. Spare them the embarrassment. I won't name their name, 
but uh what branch no, I'm just <laughs> the army <laughs> um but they went through their basic their nickname was claymore because uh they had no fight shooting experience mm-hmm. and um they, they were putting rounds there's no real pattern to to where they were putting their rounds right um but i thought of them and this idea too and like well how many and the realization too is how many people come off the streets go to the recruiter have no shooting experience and see a way to pay college right <clears throat> excuse me or um a, a way to get out of the home right there there's a myriad of reasons to join the military but a lot of these guys a lot of these kids no experience whatsoever and then you have to train to be a warfighter which is you know what our military does is a miracle <laughs> for how they can transform some people right um but then all that money they invest in trying to keep teach these people their their skill set of being a fighter which is <clears throat> you're gonna have to put rounds where they count um <coughs> sorry guys no you're good and then so th- so how can I help that aspect of it, right? Not to mention how much how much money in taxpayer dollars, and this this is my political side. Getting <laughs> how it. much money do we spend on ammo because people can't put around in the target and they need more practice and more practice, and they they need to be taught like, hey, this is where you're failing, this is what you're doing, <clears throat> and maybe they just have freaking big hands, and that gun's not the most compatible, comfortable thing for them. Mm-hmm. And they're freaked out about the DI behind them, screaming at them, about to put their their boot on their neck, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so, and then there's other factors too. I mean, nothing against the Marines; they're great, but uh, they spent hundreds of thousands of dollars revamping a, a shooting facility out in Hawaii to because they were struggling with um, qualifying Marines because every Marine's a marksman, right? Mm-hmm. They were struggling qualifying Marines, so they spent a boatload of money on making the shooting facility more comfortable when you lie down and when you get in the prone position or the the sitting position. And I'm thinking to myself, that's not solving the problem. Yeah. yeah. Right. I was going to transfer on a battlefield. Exactly. Yeah. You got a, a rock digging into your side because that's the only cover you've got mm-hmm. and you're taking rounds. Yeah. You need something to help you compensate for your own errors. Yeah. Well, and I think along those lines too, you look at the increased, um, the in the, the amount of people that are new to shooting sports oh, yeah. over the last few years. I mean, not just the last few years, but consistently over the last quite a few years. You know, increases in concealed carry permits, oh, increase yeah. in first time gun owners, first <coughs> first time in all of these things. You know, training courses that are completely full. Like even yeah. the interest in tactical games and some of that kind of stuff. <clears throat> like there is more people, even though we hear all the negativity about guns and things like that in the media, there is more people that are interested in guns oh, yeah. and shooting today than there ever has been. Well, and let's so, face so it. It's, so it's, it's great. And so anything that we can do to help out new users to be more comfortable yeah. and accurate, it's wonderful. Yeah. Well, all the, all the negative stigma with firearms, that just stems from ignorance. I mean, let's, mm-hmm. let's call a spade a spade, right? You get the people who are the so-called experts going and teach us why we can't own this gun or that gun, and they're calling it a 30-round magazine clip that shoots 300,000 rounds a minute, yeah. right? High capacity. I got a bridge I can sell you in Brooklyn yeah, yeah. if you want. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, exactly. I mean, there's... and But you're out there improving it. You're out yeah. there making it easier for people to be safe and accurate yeah. with, with these things, and it's, it's cool. We take people that are getting into firearms right now, which are many... 
Oh, yeah. Um, on both political ends of the spectrum. Record highs. Yeah. And these are people that may, I don't shoot as much as I want to. You know, so these are people that probably are not going to go out and put a lot of rounds through. So you've built something that will help with their accuracy for home defense. Oh, yeah. So you're, you're making things better in, I in many so. ways. Well, not, I remember the first time I bought, I mean, I grew up in a home. We didn't have guns, right? <coughs> I always wanted to go hunting. Never been hunting before. And I, I would go spotting with some of my friends in Connecticut. There's whitetail, like there are, are squirrels, right? They're <laughs> everywhere. They're a nuisance. Um, but so we go spotting and, and, but my family, we didn't, we didn't have guns. They didn't go hunting. So as soon as I turned 18, I'm out of the house. I bought my first gun. I was the most dangerous person at that shooting range because I had no idea what I was doing. I, I didn't know how to aim properly. I didn't know how to control the weapon. I didn't know, you know, how to safely clear it and, and get it ready. And I got, I pissed off a lot of range masters. Um, but it was a learning experience. And then I realized I got to go with friends who know how to shoot and, and, um, have experience and I had to learn from them. But yeah, that's a, that's a scary thing though. You got a lot of new gun owners and they have no experience. Um, maybe they've been taught their whole entire life. This is a big, scary thing and beware of it. But they're also looking at somebody trying to break into their home because crime's at an all time high and they realize that their, their district attorney is not going to prosecute whatever. Right. Yep. Um, but yeah, I think, I think anything you can do to help any, any shooter, a novice or experienced shooter, improve their accuracy and be safer with a a firearm is a good thing. Um, it's funny though. I get a lot of hate for this, believe it or not. I get a lot of people who think that, you know, that's just going to add too many, too many more variables to it to that's going to affect accuracy. Hmm. Um, but at the same time it's those people have never shot that trigger. (laughs) Yeah. 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 So they're thinking the opposite of what it actually does. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They're thinking that because the trigger, because I have one range of motion that I'm going to pull that trigger back, that's just one variable I have to focus on. So if I just perfectly pull that trigger back every time, then then I've done my part, right? What they don't realize is all that lateral force, they are unconsciously pushing on that trigger. When it's fun to take this trigger and just have people try it out. And when they have no idea what it's doing yeah. and then you flip it over and be like, Oh yeah, you're pulling to the right. Did you know that? Hmm. And they, and here they think that I have the most perfect pullback. Right. Um, but then, well, but I mean, even I think though that it shows when you've, you know, said that you've gone to shot show mm-hmm. and met with some of these big manufacturers and they're kind of raising their eyebrows. Like, wait, why didn't we think about that? I mean, I think that's pretty telling. Oh yeah. You know, I mean, obviously there's, there's a lot of, value there and you're you're always going to get hate i mean oh, yeah. when it's been when it's been the way that it's been for however oh, yeah. many hundreds of years of course there's going to be hate you know what i mean like I, that's, I just that's wish just I could part of it that every, means that you're onto something yeah everyone who doubts i just want like i just want to get you a trigger yeah. i wish i had yeah. money i could just like throw just them out like dollar bills <laughs> yeah yeah but, uh the cool. guy who invented the vibram five finger shoes someone asked him once like does it bug you that everyone's copying you? <laughs> like, no. Yeah. It's because I did it right. Yeah. That's mm. why people are copying me. Yeah. You know, it's it's cool. That is cool. Well, I th- I think it's awesome. I love uh-huh. this. I love your story. I think that it's like the epitome of, like, kind of the mission behind Cash Calf is, you know, we used to be firefighter paramedics, and we both have been involved in business throughout our lives and different businesses and things like that. And 
we both kind of, you know, made that transition from going full-time there into full-time pursuing our businesses and, and that kind of thing. And we have a ton of people that ask us how to do that. You oh, know, yeah. Like, how do you... And, and a lot of them are coming from the background of not having the business experience or anything. And they just are looking for all the little pieces to put together to be able to do that and, and work towards that freedom that you talked about. And so I think your story is just spot on with that, how you just you just have to go in and work at it. And if you have an oh, yeah. idea that you're passionate about, you just move forward and keep working, even though you don't have the answers. Yeah. Because nobody does. No. Nobody yeah. has the answers when they start out something new, ever. Yeah. Just yeah. like parenting, there's no there's no perfect book for, yeah. for every child that or for the for each child you're gonna get, right? You're gonna have to go and talk to different opinions. I love what you guys do too, but with this with this podcast, because listening to you guys, there are so many principles that even though my experience and my project might be different than someone else, the principle's the same. Um, and the principle about who you are and and, and um, how you're developing yourself, that's critical. That's I think that's the de- defining factor of what makes an entrepreneur an entrepreneur versus somebody who's just a you know a casual dreamer, right? Yeah. yeah. A lot of people dream. They do. And not a lot of people act. No. You're an actor. Not an. That, sound, that sounds bad. You're an actor. Um, no, you you moved. You did it and are doing it. Yeah. It's just uh, it's cool. Cause it's, Appreciate it. <laughs> I wish there's a better word than cool. It's yeah. so cool. <laughs> well, one thing that I picked up from Tyler, I don't know where you even started saying this. Maybe you heard it somewhere or whatever, but even at the fire department, it was like, make it happen. Like oh, yeah. you just go out and make it happen. And so that's kind of become a theme that we've, you know, that we've talked about or whatever, or even that I've thought of before. And you made like mm-hmm. made it happen. Like it, it wasn't, the answers weren't there. You went out and made it happen. It's, it's way cool. Another thing too is nobody's going to do things for you. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. You, you gotta, if you want something, get it go go out and do it nobody also another fun thing that i've picked up and learned quite a bit because in every industry industry talk is cheap everybody will will talk the talk everybody will will make promises or or want to to um i guess lure you in a little bit or like get get to know you better and then then um but but they don't really want to commit or make the the investment in you right um, one, one principle, I guess I'm, let me backtrack. I'm just going off. You're great. One principle was you don't get what you don't ask for. Right. So be prepared to, uh, to, to put things, put ideas out there and rejection is okay. Right. Um, part of finding a win-win or, or a solution that works for everybody and is going to make everybody successful is going through the nose, right? Navigating those. Um, the other aspect is finding people that, and working with people that are, are driven to action. People will say it's a great idea and not want to act on it. Or, um, they might say you're onto something, but then they, and you're looking for an investor, but then they don't want to invest. That's okay. That's, that's their prerogative. Right. But, um, one thing that I want to do when, when this really picks up and I'm in a position to help other people is either give them the solid advice the way you guys are doing it, right? Um, on if you want to achieve it, this is what you got to do, right? Or if it's something that I, I believe in as well, be the type of person that can get behind them and to, and to help them out. That's really cool. Yeah, it's awesome. And, and Yeah, I mean, that's that's what it's all about. Yeah, it is. So. That was our, cool. our, our first loan um, for, for a rock climbing gym. 
yeah. <clears throat> brought it around, brought a business plan around to a lot of people, and most were like, nah, I'm good, you know, yeah, I've got yeah. money tied up somewhere else. The people who, who did it, which are still really good friends, still, uh, we work together on investments, they were just, they were cool. They were like, yeah. how does, uh, how does 6% interest over five years sound? And we were just too young, you know, barely home off my mission, barely married. Like, there's a really good chance that random people wouldn't pay that 15000 back. Oh, yeah. They just, oh, yeah. They made that choice and they're like, yeah, do it. Go make, go, go do it. And then we, you know, we, we tried. Yeah. We tried our very best and we did it. And we want to be like that. You yeah. Know? So I, uh, well, you just said it right there resonated really well with me because, oh, exactly. Be that person. Yeah. Well, and that's what's, that's what creates the, the environment that you need to really grow to, to for entrepreneurship to, to flourish, right? You need people willing to take risks for other people. But at the same time, if you're the entrepreneur, <clears throat> you darn well better be that kind of person that's worth investing in, right? Just don't be the person that has those rose-colored glasses and, and think, well, this is going to take off yeah. mm-hmm. next year, and I'm going to make mm-hmm. millions, right? Mm-hmm. No, you better be ready to put dig your, your hands in the soil and, and you work hard for that and you make it a success. Yeah. Because if people are going to pay you to, and believe in you and put their money behind you, you darn well be worth it, better be worth it. So. And we respect them enough. I won't not pay them. Exactly. You know. Exactly. Yeah. There's some accountability there for sure. Yeah. Did you guys hear that? Yeah. yeah. I don't know what that was. Did you get a text through your computer? That was really loud. So. That's awesome. So. I don't know. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> <Sorry. laughs> cool. <No worries. laughs> All right. Well, hey, we appreciate you and your time. We think what you've done is amazing. Appreciate it. Um, yeah. We're excited to shoot them. Um, I don't even. We can and, do like a review. Go video take it out. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah post about it and yep. yeah we ought to do a follow-up that would be really yeah. cool i'm down and uh and do that and yeah it'd be fun and i think everybody should go check them out rm rmt triggers so where where can people go check them out look at them buy them yeah so rmttriggers.com um that's romeo mike tango triggers.com um they, they got a good thing on instagram going they're on facebook so nice yeah cool yeah, it's awesome. One but, more question, just because yeah. now it brought up a curiosity. So they existed before you, and you licensed like you licensed mm-hmm. it to them. Um, what uh, what else do they manufacture? What else do they do? So so my licensee created the the brand for RMT. Cool. So they want to start a new sweet new company. So well, they want to be like the next Geisley or the next Timony or the next yeah yeah. That's right. Well, with you rise. with you it might happen. Yeah, for sure. So cool. Yeah, go check it out. RMT triggers. Yeah. And uh, yeah, we'll do a follow up on this for sure because I loved it. It was good talking to you, man. Yeah. Great it's always to weird guys. to hit stop because we want to keep talking. Yeah. I know. <laughs> All right.